A very warm welcome to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia Elcoury. And I'm Steve Simpson. Now, it's a, it, that song is so apt, isn't it, it's Steve? It's about babies. It is about babies and the babies are all coming. Well, actually, my niece's, my nie- my niece's just about, she's seven days overdue. All right. So I'm hoping she's listening into this show. So if you have to leave quite quickly, we yeah, know why. That's it, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I hope she, I bet she hopes this song is for her. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it coming. Um, but uh, so, yeah, we've got a show all about babies, right, Steve? Yeah. Uh, all about babies, as far as I can work out. Yeah. We've got two great guests uh, to talk about different aspects of babies and classes. and That's it. So we've got Louise from Louise Antenatal, who's in the studio with us, and we'll be talking to her in just a few minutes. And she's going, she's a midwife, midwife and a local antenatal teacher, and she'll be telling us everything we want to know about the subject. <laughs> She's laughing at me now. But, uh, but anybody, ring in, any questions? There's no question Louise can't answer on, on the subject. Of, well, we're going to test that, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, why not? That. Why not? And the, thing, the great thing about having Steve on the parents' show is, of course, it's not just the, the women's questions. You've got some dad questions, which and quite often dad's voices get forgotten, don't they, Steve? I think you're right. Um, it's it's been a little while since I've uh, been through the process, uh, and um, it, it uh, it's probably changed a little bit since then. But yeah, the role of the dad is a little bit flexible. Let's just say that. Yeah, oh, that's a very diplomatic way of saying it. Well, my my wife might be listening. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so we're looking forward to talking to Louise from Louise Antinatal in just a second. So, um, go to our Facebook page, and if you want to send us any questions through that or through Twitter, direct message us and we'd love to put your questions directly to Louise. I think we can say, you know, don't sit at home and get broody and just join in the conversation because we'd love to hear from you. And then in the second half of the show, Steve, tell us who's coming up. Uh, We've got Angela who's coming on there. She is the uh, owner and instigator of a programme called Babyology, which has been running for a good number of years. And, well, we'll find out what it is and how it fits in alongside traditional antenatal classes and uh, and, and uh, what parents, prospective parents, uh, would expect to get from it. And she'll be joining us at uh, 8.30. That's right. So I'm, I'm intrigued by the name Babyology. I just I have to say it, kind of, it makes me think Codology, but I'm sure there's no Codology in Babyology. But uh, so dying to hear what her perspective is on that. And thanks to Kathleen Ball, who just liked our photo on Facebook. Thank you, Kathleen. Anybody else want to stick any questions up there? We'd love to hear from you. So without further ado, we'd love to welcome Louise on The Parent Show. How are you, Louise? I'm fine, thank you. You? Yeah, are you, are you, I'm great. And uh, I've made you nervous now so yeah. <laughs> that you can answer any question. On I know, it. any question. Yeah, I'm very nervous now. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So listen, tell us, I think Steve is the first question. I really want him to ask that one. Yeah, this has been something which has been intriguing me for a little while. Well, where exactly do babies come from? <laughs> I don't really think I can help you with that. <laughs> you said you've had two children. I hope you've worked some of that out. There was now. a bit of a gap between number one and number two. Um, but but you are a qualified midwife and still yeah. practicing uh, alongside your work as an antenatal teacher. What is life like as a as a midwife? Life as a midwife is brilliant. It can be very stressful. Um, it can be very hard. You can work long hours. There are times we go without breaks that includes toilet breaks or eating but it's all about being with the women um it's exciting it's exciting you never quite know what's going to happen when you're on duty but yeah it's brilliant i love it i can't imagine ever doing anything else 
And do they still give you the, the bikes and working with the nuns, or is that all work? Oh, that's way. sadly gone. No, <laughs> there might be some places still do that, but no, it's more cars nowadays. And I suppose that that must be such an important part of what you do to have a car and to be able to be as mobile as possible, as quickly as possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the communities out there are, are, are massive, particularly once you get outside of London. Midwives were traveling really far to go to see their women. So, yeah, a car is absolutely vital to, to get to see their women and get into clinics. So can we can we start from the beginning here? So well, not quite far back as I suggested we might go, but so somebody now is is now looking at their stick and they know, oh oh, something's happening, something's coming. What's the first step that a parent should take in terms of getting education or? getting onto classes and so on what would you recommend well the most important thing is they need to get in touch with their midwife um, and so basically you can self-refer to most units now on their website so whereas traditionally people used to go to the gp first and the gp would refer on that slows the whole system down so if you can uh, you can look online most hospitals will have online tours or certainly lots of information about what they offer and you can go onto their website and self-refer so that's the most important thing because we want women into the system as early as possible um, the the government actually wants people booked by the time they're 10 weeks so even though you're not ready to perhaps tell your friends and family you're pregnant, we want you in and we want to see you and have your initial bloods taken and things. So we want women in as early as possible. That's amazing. That's a yeah. big change. It's really early. So we've gone from booking women for their first appointment, perhaps when they were anywhere between 10 to 16 weeks, and now we're booking women at six, seven, eight weeks of pregnancy where, yeah, it's... It's a massive change. And and it must be great to take the pressure off the GPs and they're going straight to you because that's just a, an interim step, isn't it? Why yeah, it was probably unnecessary. It is an interim step. And years ago, they'd send them the referral by post. And so, of course, that would take ages. Come into the hospital postal system it would take a while to get to mm -hmm. antenatal clinics. So if you just do the referral online, it will go straight through to uh, an admin person who will sort out the appointments, your midwife appointment, your scan appointment, and it gets sent out to you. So, so it's does that quicker. improve the relationship between the midwife and the, uh, the mother, the prospective mother, that um, you, you get together earlier in the pregnancy and spend longer planning and, and preparing together? Yeah, absolutely. It should do, because hopefully with the continuity of care model that they're trying to bring in more now, you've got the same midwife from the start who'll see you the whole way through your pregnancy, ideally look after you in labour, but it's certainly to look after you while you're pregnant and after you've had the baby. And, and that's your day job yep. as, a, as a midwife, but uh, one of the things which we wanted to talk to you about was your antenatal classes. So yes. uh, what's, uh, how did that start for you and why did you uh, start doing those? I started antenatal classes a long time ago. I initially set up a business in London called Birthing Matters with a midwifery colleague of mine. And the reason we set it up is because we found that women were coming into labour perhaps not as prepared as they possibly could be. Um, and so we just wanted to make sure that we could give women a balanced, unbiased view and a realistic view of what it's like to have a baby. And so we set that up in, in about 2006. And we ran that for seven years and it was really successful. And then the, it just evolved and we just went our own separate ways. We're still really good friends, but we mm -hmm. just the business goes. And um, I was back in St Albans and I wanted to set up another business. And so I set up Louise's antenatal classes. So I've been teaching private antenatal classes for 13 years. I was trying to do the maths in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, uh, where do the classes uh, take place? 
So my classes are a bit unique. My classes are one-to-one classes. So they take place in the couple's home at a time and date that suits them. So the advantages are they get to pick the time. If it's, say it's a refresher class, if they're having another baby, they can fit that around childcare. If they're a first-time parents, they can fit it around work or any other commitments they have. So I go to them and I go to into their home and do the classes in their is, home. Is that quite unusual to, um, to do the classes one-on-one? It is. Lots of people do want antenatal classes and most antenatal teachers will teach groups of people. Mm. Um, so yes, it's a bit unique that my whole business is a one-to-one. Some people might do group classes and offer one-to-ones as well if people want them. But my whole business ethos is to do one-to-ones, so to give people that, mm. that time and that space. And that, the advantage of that to them is they can ask all the questions they want to. That's what I was just about to say. I mean, it must be brilliant for your clients because they can ask you anything because it's always a bit inhibiting, isn't it? You know, if you're in a class, in a antenatal class with complete strangers and, you know, you're suddenly being thrown into this friendship or, or kind of bonding experience. But but it is embarrassing. Some of the questions you've got to ask as well, right? Absolutely. And the class I taught last Friday, that was the comment from one of the, from the, there was actually two couples in the class, so it was it, but in one of the couple's homes. And that's what one of the women said that actually should have been too embarrassed to ask a lot of the questions she asked me in, in a group setting. So, you know, when it comes to choosing classes, it's down to what people want. It's their individual thing, but at least at home, it could be focused on them, their wants, their needs, their questions, mm. whatever their, whatever they want to talk but are, about. But are there a wide range of options for parents to choose from or is it sort of quite limited? Yeah, there's a massive range for um, parents to choose from. So all maternity units will offer antenatal classes for first-time mums and obviously those classes are free um, but they do get booked up quite quickly so women need to kind of book them early and they can be quite big because the nature of obviously making sure that lots of people can attend them. So the alternative to that is private classes because they're much smaller groups and you know most, most you know couples be- prefer to go to have much smaller groups and then in the, that variety of private groups there's lots of different antenatal teachers and lots of different things hypnobirthing and lots of different things you can go to classes for and what should parents be expecting to learn what are the basics that any antenatal teacher should be explaining to you the basics should be things like the signs of labor you know so how do you know you're going into labor when you should go to hospital um, and then talk through all the different methods of pain relief you have all the options of pain relief so all the things that you can do to keep you nice and relaxed and calm to get through the process I talk about all methods of pain relief all the way up and including epidurals but yeah it's those kind of things then talking about delivery of the baby delivery of the placenta and then what happens afterwards and then postnatal things so they'll talk about infant feeding and all kind of postnatal bits of the couple might want couples want to know and do you um then come back when the baby's been born i mean do you actually deliver the babies for your clients or you just do the antenatal classes i do the antenatal classes but obviously a lot of my women are in the local hospitals and i do work in the local hospitals so there's always that possibility that i could deliver their baby God, that must be fantastic <laughs> i would say that that must be their dream come true they're probably trying to hold their contractions to wait till you come on shift I'm sure they would if they knew I was coming on shift. Well, I'd like to think they would anyway. Yeah, but that, I mean, that would be, that's amazing that that is even an opportunity because the, for me, when I was doing my antenatal class, there was, a, there was a big disconnect between everything that was going on, you know, and I think that would have been very reassuring to know that there's a chance that when you go to the hospital, your midwife might actually be there. Um, so, and do you make your clients do things like, uh, nappy exercises and and bathing exercises and things like that. 
I don't unless it's what they want to go through. We do talk through it and I do do a bath demo if they want to see a bath demonstration. But I will get them up and I will get them showing movements. So I often get them to do their first dance as one of the movements they can do, positions in labour. Um, and I will get them to try and massage on each other as well, just as massage techniques that, that can be adapted in labour. Fantastic. That that sounds okay, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. A bit of massage. <laughs> so, in your introduction, you said that uh, in in the the first business you set up, you were surprised by um, how ill prepared some of the the parents, we'll say parents, uh, were when it came to uh, delivering the baby and 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 so on. Uh, has that situation improved now? Um, well, what was it 13 years later is it is there a, a, a higher level of knowledge amongst parents about what to expect or is there st- still the same myths and misconceptions i think in general it's improved i think the education that women are getting and they know how to access it more um is definitely out there i guess things like the internet and things have helped so people can google things which is probably not a good thing all the time but to kind of get more information and i think people realize now the importance of going to an antenatal class and getting that information so i think more women are probably accessing antenatal classes than they did mm. 13 years ago and what about dads well, that's quite a general question, really, isn't it? So be a bit more specific. What about dads attending your, your class? Are, are they reticent attendees or are they eager and keen to be there too? I often find that it's their husbands often more not that are looking for me um, because they want to do the antenatal classes in their home. Men generally don't want to go to group classes. Not always, so I'm not making any generalisations. But I think it's the thing that men tend to fear the most is having to go to a group class and talk about things that are antenatal and things that are you know a bit squeamish and um, so yeah I often get husbands emailing me saying you know can you come around and when I've come around they were like I'm so glad you've come to my home because <laughs> I don't have to go anywhere and talk about things that I want to talk about there's a bit embarrassing and the the one thing that I uh, that I suppose might be a disadvantage of the one-to-one is the network and yeah. it's mm-hmm. and and what do you how do you um what do you say to parents to overcome that well, I think a lot of couples that are coming to me for one-to-ones usually have their network around them. So they're not always looking for that supportive network anyway. But there is so much out there. And I talk about postnatal groups and the health visitors run things in the children's centres afterwards. So I talk about a lot of the kind of postnatal classes that they can they can attend afterwards and different ways that they can meet other parents after they've had their baby. Because I know for some people, it's just made them. I mean, it wasn't the case for me. I, I My NCT class or my antenatal class didn't didn't bond, actually. And, um, you know, we were from quite a disparate geographical area and didn't really stay in touch properly, whereas others are like friends for life and that's it. And, you know, it, it's been a very, very positive experience for them. Yeah, and I think that's that can be the advantage of group classes if you do meet that friendship group. So if you do have lots of people that are like-minded, they become friends. And when I did teach classes, there was one class in group in particular, and the, every Wednesday the women would go swimming and the men would go to the pub. And they kind of hoped they would carry that on after they had their babies. So they were really close. And I've also taught classes where nobody gelled, and that was so difficult classes to teach when you're trying to teach them and have some fun and they're not quite gelling. So yeah. it, it, just, it just depends with the groups. But yeah, I know lots of people who've met their friends in antenatal class and they're still friends years and years and years later it's a, it's an amazing concept isn't it you know but um do you know what i i really am looking forward to asking you is birth plans 
Oh, yeah. Do do you do birth plans? And what do you think of birth plans? I do. And I discuss birth plans with um, my clients when I see them. I think they're important to have an idea of what you'd like for your labour. But I always say to women to just go into their labour with a really open mind and a really positive attitude. Um, because things can change and they can change quite quickly. Uh, we can't predict how the labour's going to go. But I just think if they go in with an open mind and a positive attitude, that would get them far. But I think it is good to have it written, you know, written down or have an eye, just an idea of what they would like for their for their labour. And yeah, I mean, and I know there's so many different experiences on this. Mine personally never left the bag. Yeah. So there was, <laughs> it, was, it was kind of superfluous in, in my case. But, but other people got exactly what they wished for, which is fantastic. And I suppose, you know, if you're very distracted, just being able to hand a sheet of paper to somebody to say what you really want is is great it is and actually most hospital notes nowadays will have a page in it with a birth plan so you can actually just kind of make some notes beside it so there'll be questions and you can just make notes beside it as to what you'd like for your birth and so you don't necessarily have to type anything out or write your own it's just a way of doing it and i've written a blog that's on my website about how to write a birth plan um, and the things to kind of include into it but the, the kind of feel of it is just to you know, just keep an open mind and a positive attitude are the main things to go with it. But I think it is important to have an idea. That, and does everybody want a water birth? <laughs> no. <laughs> I get a lot, when I talk to women in their classes about water birth and the advantages of them, it often changes their mind and they think, oh, yes, I would love a water birth. But no, not everybody, not everybody likes the idea of getting into water. I think they're amazing. I think they're a great idea. I think they're a lovely way to relax. The babies come out quite chilled and they're wonderful things to witness, but not everybody wants them. The stories I've heard is that by the time the bath is filled, the baby's born. That's, <laughs> that's generally what I've heard. Is it? It's, it depends if it's your first baby or your second baby. Ah. I guess if it's your first baby, then there's usually time to fill the pool. But they do take a good sort of, because they're, they're very deep. Yeah. So they do take a good some 10 to 20 minutes to fill sometimes depending on the size of them so i guess if it's a second time mum or further on than that third or fourth time mum then yeah there may not be time to fill the pool but it, it, i think it's a lovely idea what a wonderful way to give birth it must be so relaxing for it everybody Im involved you know it is yeah but it must be crazy to see this little baby kind of like floating in the water <laughs> i suppose he gets scooped out quite quickly yeah right? we get mum to scoop them out quite quickly but they can stay in the pool for as long as they want to after they've had the baby they can deliver their placenta in the pool if they want to um but yeah they, they are they are lovely births to watch and to be part of yeah so how, how many people would would opt then for a, a water birth it's difficult to say it's going to come down to the the units and how many pools they have available and what's available on the day and um, sometimes we have a pool in a room that a woman's in going through her labour but actually she might not want to use the pool but if somebody else came in wanted to use it because it's really important that once you've kind of got settled into your environment that that doesn't get disturbed we wouldn't then take the woman out the, that woman out so someone else could use the pool so sometimes it comes down to availability on the day and just on how many available in the unit in total of course yeah and but i, I do think it's becoming more and more popular oh yeah it's, they're, they're a wonderful way to deliver your baby so I just wanted to ask a question about dads again. So in your role as midwife rather than as an antenatal teacher, so you've, you've already said that the dads are uh, excited about being at, um, on the antenatal class and they're sometimes the, the leader in, in making it happen. But in your role as a midwife, I mean, attitudes have changed. When we look at TV shows such as... Uh, 
don't call them, uh, what is it? It's called a midwife. Don't call the midwife. Call the midwife. Call the midwife, yeah. Um, dads there were down the pub or pacing around outside <laughs> right, and, and very yeah. rarely involved. And then fast forward 40 years to a show which is like one born every minute and, and dads are right there in it. It's almost, they've got no option but to, to, to be there and to be a, a part of the birth and, 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 and right there at everyone's side. As a midwife, where, where do you see the role of the, of, of the dad at the, at the birth? And does your heart sink when you see a, a over-enthusiastic, eager dad. No, <laughs> it's lovely when you get a really enthusiastic dad. The role of the partner is really important, and that partner could be anybody. That could be mum, or it could be sister, or it could be anybody. But the whole point of having really good support in labour is it helps a woman through it. Mm. And actually, if her partner's with her, it's things like you know eye contact and little kisses and hugs and just being together. That's what makes it really important. So women really want their partners there. And so the partner's role is really, really important, just being there. And again, if they've had a discussion beforehand about sort of what they'd like for the labour, mm. it just means that they can support the woman and be an advocate for the woman as well through the labour. Although the midwife should be doing the same thing. It just means that they can speak for the woman and just support her the whole way through it, knowing what she wanted to, to start with. But the role of the partner there is absolutely vital. S sorry, guys, I did ask, but uh, we, we are needed there. We're an integral part. <laughs> you are needed. Even if there's a good match on, you've got to, uh, you've got to be there. Oh, you're not going to It depends wait. on the hospital. <laughs> you're not going to oh. make any friends saying things like that, Steve. It depends on the hospital. And well, now with the internet, I guess you can bring in iPads and still watch the football. But if the hospital has Everybody's a happy. TV in the, in the birthing room, then you still might get the match. <laughs> I, if you could see how much I'm shaking my head at this conversation. I've really enjoyed my last show here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, Louise, what about scans? What, how, how often? Is, there, is it possible to have too many? What do you think? A 3D, 4D? Is it just a personal choice? Certainly for 3D and 4D scans, they're not medically based. So they are for couples who just want to see the baby. And they can be fun um, to go and get those scans, but that's completely down to the couple as to what they want to do. That's completely their choice. Um, hospital scans are different there for a reason, but certainly 3D, 4D scans, if they want them, yeah, go for it. But And is there a limit? Is, is there an, an amount of them that's, can you have too many? There's not enough hard research out there to say that the, if there is any damage or anything the scans cause. So as far as we are aware, they are safe. And women will only have scans if they're necessary. So for a low-risk woman in a normal pregnancy, she will have her first scan around sort of 11 weeks 12 weeks which is the dating scan and then she'll have a second scan around 20 weeks which is the anomaly scan that's just making sure that everything's well with the baby and if her pregnancy is fine she won't need scans for the rest of her pregnancy yeah but it is so addictive i i, I was is. i just wanted if i'd had my way i would have loved one particularly with my first pregnancy every, every month if i could have got away with it but but obviously i bet i bet they just say it's not good for your health but it's really just to stop people like me <laughs> going in for a scan every month you know no, I don't think so. And I think um, there are women out there who don't want to have any scans at all during pregnancy. So everyone's completely different wow. as to how they feel about it. I'm sure there are lots of women like you that love a scan all the time. It's exciting. Yeah. You get to see the baby. So. Oh, yeah. Or listening to the heartbeat. <laughs> and listen to the heartbeat. Oh, that's, that's Although you get to listen to the heartbeat every midwifery appointment. You yeah. don't necessarily get to see baby, but scans no. are exciting from that perspective. But it never, it never gets boring. So now, just be on the last couple of questions before we let you go, Louise, we, can you tell us... What are the biggest myths or misconceptions when it comes to childbirth? What would you say to, you know, first time parents out there that are listening and, you know, what are the big worries that people come to you with and you're like, you know what, 
don't be silly. I think the biggest worries are just labour and how labour's going to go. Although I do say it's usually the next 18 years that you really need to worry about. And actually, the, the labour is kind of a small bit of it, although it's an important part of it. Uh, so I think that's often what people worry about, how the labour is going to go and how they're going to cope. But I think if you have good antenatal education and you're well prepared, then it will just really help couples through and they'll cope with no matter how their labour goes. So if, if people want to get in touch with you about joining your antenatal classes, how do they go about it? They can get in touch with me on my website, which is louantenatal.com. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, with my handle, at louantenatal. So women do come and book me through Facebook or book me through Instagram. So That's it, at louantenatal. And obviously we've all those links on our Twitter page and, and on our Facebook page. But uh, any more dad questions? <laughs> no, no. Eager to get to the football match, so I won't, uh, <laughs> I won't put any more questions. No, no, no seriousness. It's it's uh, it's fascinating to to hear that, that how things have changed yeah, and yeah. Uh, how much choice there is for parents when they come to choose their antenatal education. Absolutely, yeah, there absolutely is. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic, Lou. Thank you so much for joining us this evening on the Parents Show, and uh, hopefully. Next time when you come, will you tell us a, f- a couple of scary stories? <laughs> <laughs> I might do. Thank you very much for having me. Pleasure. Our pleasure. Neve solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neve's includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neve's solicitors, your complete legal solution. A very warm welcome back to The Parents Show on Radio Verulam 92.6 FM. I'm Lydia L. Curry. And I'm Steve Simpson. So we haven't, um, we haven't grossed you out too much with too, too much baby kind No, of I found it very endearing. It was, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was lovely to listen to. And to see the look, you, your face softens so much when you were talking about babies there. Really? Yes, Go yeah, away. you're so broody. Oh, my, oh, no, 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 I'm so not, I'm so over, so over it. But um, so just in case you... You've just tuned in now. You've guessed we were talking about babies. So the first nothing else, just nothing babies. else, all yeah. night. Yeah. And uh, so we had, um, so uh, <laughs> we had Lou from Lou Antenatal on, and she was talking. to She's a midwife, a local midwife, telling us about all the changes in the system. Like a lot has changed since it's moved I moved on so far, hasn't so it? Fo- mm. So quickly. Like my daughter is only eight, and it just sounds like a completely different system. But now, next up to complement our conversation with Lou, we've got Angela Spencer on the phone. Uh, hi, Angela. Yes, hi oh, th- We had some kind of gremlin in the system there. Sorry about that, but it's lovely Aww. to have you joining us on the show now. Thank you. Sorry about that. Yes, I think it's probably a squirrel where I am more than a gremlin, but there we go. <laughs> I think you're in the middle of nowhere, aren't you? I am, yes, Excellent. I am. Excellent. Well, listen, we're dying to know, tell us what babyopathy is. Right, so, well, babyopathy kind of has been born over the last 25 years of my work in childcare. I owned day nurseries for 25 years, um, and I developed babyopathy throughout that but it was it actually was born about four years ago when I wrote the first book um, and what it is is um, I like to think of it as a sensory oasis um, that we create for mums um, throughout their pregnancy to help them have a relaxed and positive pregnancy which contributes to a contented baby. Ah. Well, that's what that's what every parent wants right? <laughs> <laughs> Cont- well, it does sound a little bit idyllic and Yes, every baby is unique. And actually, I do say that in the book. Every baby is unique. Um, and so all I can do is give them a whole 
you know, toolkit of, of things to do and things to try. Um, and hopefully somewhere in that lot, one thing will work for them. So you, you say sensory oasis. How, how, could you elaborate a little bit more on that? What, what does that work? Um, yes. Well, so um, what I use, I, I use sort of tools for every sense. So um, I encourage the use of colour psychology. Um, because colour makes us feel very, very different. Um, you only have to look out at a lovely blue sky and a lovely sunny day mm. compared to uh, a grey rain cloud to know how the difference of, of colour can make you feel. Um, and that's also very important um, because the baby can see colour through the womb. And one of the very first colours they see, if you can imagine, is sort of a, a peachy hue, um, you know, as, as light permeates through the womb. And so that's actually a very calming, um, secure colour for them, for their nursery, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I also use aromatherapy. Um, I have different oil blends I use throughout the different trimesters. Um, I also have different blends that um, mums and dads can use at home, a childcare range. So it, can, it takes them on a complete journey throughout pregnancy. Um, I use music. So music and meditation are great tools. Um, one, um, as far as meditation is concerned, it's hugely powerful for mum to help mum relax and to help mum enjoy much more positive pregnancy and, and birth. You can actually... Uh, use a meditation to help you get through birth um, but also I use music um, because baby can hear in the womb so babies actually have their, their very first what's called conscious sensory connections in the womb from about 24 weeks and that's scientifically proven um, and so for example if you play the same piece of music um, on a regular on a regular basis in the evening that will become familiar tones and patterns that the baby will recognize when they're born Babies can recognise the familiar tones and patterns of their parents' voices. Yes. So, um, but also then I use nutrition and diet because obviously that's very, very important. Um, strong taste can pass through baby through the placenta. So um, it's quite nice for them. You know, they can, they can experience taste from before they're born. Um, and I think I've forgotten one there. Um, oh, and obviously massage touch. Um, massage for mum when pregnant is hugely relaxing, hugely beneficial. Mum can massage her belly herself, which helps to nurture a bond. Um, there was a study, I believe, done by Nurofen, um, sorry if I'm not allowed to mention that on, on live radio, um, about three years ago, um, and they concluded that nearly half of mums do not bond with their baby during the first year, um, which is incredibly that sad. That seems very high percentage. Yes, well, it is, wow. unfortunately. Um, it is quite high. Um, but it's something that, um, it's a study that they did, um, and I, I personally think that's due to lifestyles the way we are now, very busy lifestyles, very stressful lifestyles. And that's one of the reasons why um, I updated the book and put out the second edition with, to include all of the sensory toolkit and so that mums can follow it at home. Um, and dads, obviously, of course, dad can play a part um, because we lead such busy, stressful lives. Um, stress has been proven to have an impact on a pregnancy in a pregnancy outcome and birth outcome. Um, there's been recent studies done um, in Germany by Humboldt University that has proven we all think when we're first pregnant, well, we mustn't lift anything. You know, manual handling mm. is something we have to be very conscious of. And of course we should, but there's a right way to lift things mm-hmm. when you're pregnant. So, you know, we have a tool for that. However, they've proven that actually stress during the first trimester um, can have a more detrimental effect on the outcome of the pregnancy than manual handling. So, you know, we, we all think about things um, such as manual handling and how we lift something and how we pick something up, but we, we really don't think about the stress that we live with nowadays. Our, you know, compared to 20 years ago, our lives are very, very different. Um, we would give up um, work 
round about sort of 11 weeks before, we would have time to rest, time to nest, time to bond with the baby. And that's all very important things. And it really does contribute to reducing your risks of premature birth, um, other complications, let's just say that, um, at birth, etc. Um, and it also, you know, helps to contribute to a less stressful baby when they're born. Um, but now we, we tend to work up until our due date. We don't give ourselves time to rest and nest because of the SMP rules, the way they are, are very detrimental to, to parenthood and to motherhood. They, because they kind of make mum work really close up to her due date so she can maximise her time off, mm-hmm. which every mum wants to do. Of course she does. But unfortunately, that means that mums are going back to work sort of six, seven, eight, nine months um, old when the baby's that old. And that is a crucial period of separation anxiety for baby. And so, again, it contributes to a stressful baby. So I try and give as many tools as I can to help with the bonding, to help with a routine, to help with um, a less stressful mum, a less stressful baby, so that the time that they do have can be a lot more relaxed positive so, so every situation is different every baby's different every family is uh, yes. is, is different and uh, mm-hmm. that the uh, yeah, a lot of what you've said is is common sense a lot of it's backed up by scientific uh, 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 information um, how does it how does babyopathy take this massive information and apply it to the individual situation so, well what I try and do is give them the toolkit as I said so there's a raft of things not everybody likes listening to music not everybody likes meditation not everybody likes aromatherapy so um if you can do everything then wonderful you can have a complete sensory oasis um if you can do one thing then that's great if you can do one thing to help you relax that's great um and that's why to be honest one of the things that i did three years ago i launched a campaign and i called it routine in the womb because uh, the evidence is such and the nhs put out this information as well that, that Counting the kicks is no longer the best way to ensure that your pregnancy is progressing positively. Okay. What you should do is learn your baby's own unique pattern of movement and rest in the womb, hence my, my title of a routine in the womb. Um, and so each year, what I try and do is encourage mum to find a way to help relax. Um, and uh, this year, what we've tried to do is do it, keep it very simple, keep it nice and easy. And so this year we have um, an awareness month all this month in June, and we've called it um, Feet Up for 30. So whatever you're doing sometime during the day, the same time of day if you can, because it helps create a routine. But if you can't, it doesn't matter. Put your feet up for 30 minutes. If, if that's all you can do, that's brilliant. If you can put some essential oils on, fabulous. It will help you to relax. If you can do a meditation, listen to music, great. If you can't do any of that, the, the very least we ask that you put your feet up for 30 minutes it helps obviously reduce stress combat the effects of stress help you stay a little bit relaxed but it will also help with things like keeping blood pressure a little bit more regulated um all of those things that, that we face through a busy stressful life so what i try and say to all of my families that i work with is try and find one thing that works for you because my whole message throughout the book is every baby is unique every pregnancy is unique um here's a raft of tools that you can try it and find the one that suits you. And Angela, what would you say to parents who are women who are pregnant with potentially high-risk pregnancies? Do you find that obviously those kind of techniques are even more important for those women, but do you find they work as well? No, definitely. Um, you know, I've, I've worked with varying ladies. One of my ladies who I was birth partner was, we knew she would have a premature birth with her second, that, that she was under a consultant. 
Um, and I worked, I went to all the appointments at the consultant with her because, um, you know, that, that was in, important to her. Um, and, you know, he was very much everything that can be done to help keep as relaxed as possible, as distressed as possible, is better for mum, it's better for baby, and it helps increase the possibility of maybe even getting an extra day or an extra week out of that pregnancy. Um, and we did, we managed to actually get to um, 32 weeks, so we actually got an extra 10 days from when she first showed sign, we actually got an extra 10 days just, just keeping her relaxed, keeping her um, doing her meditations, um, and actually she, she gave birth naturally. Fantastic. And and talk to us about the music. Is there, I'm, I'm assuming we're not talking about Led Zeppelin and, and <laughs> some heavy metal well, music. We're probably going classical, right? Well, you know, I mean, I do say every baby is unique and there may well be one out there that will be relaxed by Led Zeppelin. I am not going to be prejudiced towards them. Um, however, um, I like to use um, either classical or nature sound. Um, you know, something that's very relaxing helps you sort of create the the feeling that you're in a beautiful spa. We all love to go on a spa day. Um, you know, and if you can close your eyes and imagine that you're there for, for, for 10, 15 minutes, that's fabulous. Um, with, with music, um, when, um, when at home with your children and as they grow, grow, grow older, there's a raft of music you can use. So, for example, in my nurseries, at mealtimes, we use soft jazz because soft jazz actually helps, the patterns of soft jazz help digestion. But also if we were doing some activities and particularly um, sort of our welcome activities would be sort of more spatial reasoning, we would use Baroque classical music because, again, the tones and patterns of Baroque classical are the same that we form when we're doing spatial reasoning tasks. And so music can naturally support the development of a baby and their routine. So you can use music throughout the day to help create a different routine for your baby so that, you know, they get to know when it's mealtime, they get to know when it's bedtime. And you're kind of just signaling, signaling to the brain and um, it, it can all happen a little bit more naturally. I, I'm a bit worried about how much of an influence music has because my husband tortured us with David Bowie with both pregnancies. <laughs> and, and I'm just wondering what the impact of that has been on both kids now. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it just helps them to have fantastic activity times because obviously, you know, you kind of do need a bit of music to boogie to as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm all for the upbeat stuff. It doesn't always have to be... Um, you know, Baroque classical or soft jazz. You know, we we would quite often. I have to say, Abba was a favourite in our oh, nurseries. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, Angela, we heard uh, in the first part of the show from a, 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 a traditional antenatal class teacher yeah. um, who who took us through what she did and and the, the choices which were available, one on ones and and group uh, sessions. Uh, how does babyopathy fit in with the traditional antenatal structure that um, that that parents may or may not be familiar with uh, at the moment um absolutely it, it can blend straight in um and it also works very very well with um something like hypnobirthing i've just been working with a lady um uh, a very well-known lady who was recommended to to use my oils because she is using hypnobirthing so everything can actually you know i'm very much one of these people that believe anything that works for you is fabulous now, that might not be babyopathy. It might be only a part of babyopathy. It might be all of it. It might be none of it. Um, you know, and I'm very much aware that actually parents should find what works for them. So, again, you know, I, I think it works lovely because um, if you want a little bit of music, if you want to bring in a little bit of aromatherapy, it's not going to do any, anything different to any of the traditional classes or hypnobirthing. It will actually enhance them a little. Um, but if they don't want to do them because 
that's not that's not them. That's absolutely fine too. Um, I'm very much a believer of you know it's what's right for mum and what's right for baby. But but this is a, a complementary approach. It's it's not an alternative to um, to, to to the the direction which someone would normally take some some parents have just used it but i'm absolutely convinced that it can be a, a complementary as well as an alternative for example some parents don't like the conventional antenatal classes mm. and that's why they found me and that's why i've worked with them but it also works very very well to complement them so, so how would it how would it start if we sort of rewind the clock a little bit and uh, as we put it in the first part of the show somebody's looking at their stick and realizing now that the the, the world is about to change uh, and they start researching babyopathy and and come across your website what do they do i mean do, is it purely web-based or book-based or well, you know how, how does it work um, so now I do work with private clients, so I do work with clients, um, and I do work for more general workshops, um, but I also, um, next month, will be having online courses go live so I can reach more people, um, because I'm, I'm just, I'm not able to reach enough people at the moment, I'm not able to work with, with enough people, um, but also have the book, so you don't have to, you know, you can sort of leaf through a book if you like reading, I, I'm a bit old-fashioned, I have to say, I do love a good book. Nothing wrong with a book. Um, I do love a good book, um, you know, so you can, you know, read through a book whilst you have your feet up for 30 minutes every day. That's the most important thing that I can say to every mum. If you do nothing else, do that because it, it will really, really help you to combat the effects of stress. Um, but, I mean, during the first trimester, one of the things I recommend um, is to get a good sleep routine um, because one thing that really, really helps throughout pregnancy is sleep. Um, and towards the end of your pregnancy, you'll probably start to struggle to sleep a little. So the more you can get at the beginning, the better. Your heart is having to do an awful lot more and, and you know, make a whole, whole little person as well as a placenta to keep them safe. And so your heart's having to pump a lot more, work a lot harder. So you will be more tired. And so sleep is, is hugely beneficial. And so starting a really good bedtime sleep routine from the beginning really does is that great first step to help you relax during your pregnancy. So, so without giving away the, the crown jewels of what people will get from, from uh, working through the babyopathy program, apart from the sleep routine, which you just talked about there, and, and some of the, um, the, the general things which you've, you've talked about, what are the, maybe the three big items that somebody would, uh, would, would come away from a babyopathy uh, course on, with? So it is about being relaxed. Um, it's about being relaxed and being positive. Um, I'm a firm believer of the good old-fashioned sort of positive mental attitude can, can you know, uh, sort of lift the world, so to speak. Um, it really does help you get through um, a momentous journey. Mm. Um, and that's, that's what it is. Pregnancy is, is a very big journey for you, for your body, for your mind, for your emotions. Um, so, so being relaxed and finding a way that suits you to de-stress is one of the biggest things for me. Um, I also, I mean, I, I, I have a little chapter in there called Mentor Mums. Um, and the way, unfortunately, services are, I mean, I, I've just been, I've got a one-year-old granddaughter, so I've, I've just been through pregnancy with my daughter. Um, and, you know, we, we barely saw a midwife for five minutes sort of checking her blood pressure, any, any problems out the door. Um, and so, you know, the fact that she had me there, she could talk to me, she could mm -hmm. ask me any questions. And, I, and this is the role I do for my private clients. You know, no question is too silly. You know, the, the amount of people I, I sort of get email me or message me saying, I know this sounds silly, but... Mm. or, you know, something like that. The, the important thing is, if you need an answer to a question, it's not a silly question. Of course not. Um, and so, you know, not enough mums have somebody to talk to. 
Um, and I do think that's important. We're seeing a huge rise in the trend of, of uh, maternal mental health concerns. Um, and I do think it's because we, we don't live in the community groups that we used to years ago. We're a little bit more detached. We're a little bit more disconnected. We live through our screens an awful lot. And so, um, you know, having somebody there, and, and preferably another woman that's been through pregnancy because she'll know the answers a little bit more, um, that you can talk to, ask any question to. She can come to your appointments if she wants to. Um, uh, you know, she can be at the birth with you. Um, you know, I, I, I fully think that, that women are hugely supported by other women. Um, and so having a mentor mum, somebody that you can just call upon if you need to, ask any question, um, and just be that support for you is a big thing. Um, and then for me, you know, obviously I love the sensory world. So, you know, find something that, that suits you, whether it's a piece of music that you can take into your birth plan with you, whether it's an essential oil, whatever it is that makes it, or even just something that you're wearing because that's, that's your comfort zone. Um, if you can control one thing throughout your birth outcomes, even if it ends up in an emergency situation, and I, and I sat with a very lovely surgeon when I, when I was working with, with um, my um, premature mum, and he said, you know what, I'm, I'm all for them being in control because if you feel in control, it's not as traumatic. Mm -hmm. And so he was more than happy for one piece of music that she could have whether it was a, a beautiful natural birth, a planned cesarean, or even an emergency cesarean, she knew she would have this piece of music that helped her relax in that room. And so being in control, being able to have your choices, so make a good birth plan that you know that you can say, no matter what, this is the one element I want to be in control of. Because sometimes things don't go to plan, and we're not always in control of everything. It but being in control of one thing helps. So sensible, and you make it sound so so practical and simple. We're, we're coming to the end of the, the show now, Angela. So uh, if, if people have uh, listened to this and they like what they hear and they, they want to get involved or reach out to you, how, how do they do that? Um, they can certainly buy the book on Amazon. The book um, went live on the 16th of May, so we only launched on the 16th of May. Um, they can purchase the oils through my website or, of course, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, we have a, a big Facebook group. Um, and they can obviously me email and message me. I, I answer every question. And the website address is? It's very simple, www.babyopathy.com. Fantastic. Thank you so much, um, Angela, for joining us on The Parent Show this evening. No, thank you very much for the opportunity. It's been a delight to dis discussing it. So L thank you so much. Lovely, Lovely to talk to you. Good night, Angela. So that was Angela Spencer from uh, author of the book Babyopathy. So there we go. Are you feeling chilled after that conversation? I feel slightly... Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to listening to some Led Zeppelin maybe or some David Bowie to try and <laughs> pump me up a little bit. I think I might have got a bit too mellow over the last hour. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure once you get home, the stress levels will get right back up again. It was fascinating. Both yeah. approaches what we heard tonight uh, from a traditional yeah. class and from the... Uh, sort of more uh, uh, far-reaching babyopathy website. I, I thought it was uh, in really fascinating to hear the different approaches. Absolutely. And, and it's sensible, right? I mean, particularly with babyopathy, you know, just avoid stress at all at all times. Sit down for half Finding an hour. 30 minutes to put your feet yeah. up every day. What's, yeah. what's wrong with that? Yeah, no harm there. So uh, that's it for the show this evening. Thank you very much for listening to us on The Parents Show. We're back again next week. And of course, we, we'd love to hear from you if there are issues you'd like us to be covering if you'd like to come on the show and talk about issues you're very very welcome just get in touch with us through Twitter or Facebook page just go Radio Verulam's The Parent Show so for this evening thanks for listening
The Parent Show is sponsored by Neve Solicitors. Neve Solicitors are proud to sponsor The Parent Show. The friendly team at Neves includes specialists who can guide you through all the legal ups and downs of family life. Visit nevesolicitors.co.uk. Neves Solicitors, your complete legal solution.